folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 192 of Channel Massive. I'm Noah. I am Mark. <laughs> Yay, Mark, you finally got it right. I just like to sound like I'm a, a B-rated actor in a terrible, you know, movie from the 80s. <laughs> Hail, good fellows. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new guest host with us in this episode, Brian. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian. Glad to be with you tonight. The reason we wanted to bring Brian on to the show is because we've been doing this video game podcast for coming up on five years, as we mentioned in our last episode, Right. which is insane, but very yeah. cool. <laughs> Never, <laughs> who would have thought we'd come this far? I'm sure there's some 70s song, that soft rock song that sums it up well, Mark. I'm sure, and I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> only if it's in my collection of soft rock my extensive collection right <laughs> but something that we don't often talk about we've talked about it kind of tangentially here and there is what would it be like to not have gaming in your life to have it and to really like it not to have not ever enjoyed gaming but to be really into gaming and then to have to quit and that's what happened with brian with world of warcraft in particular and he's gone through some harrowing experiences with it and we've started this podcast to talk about mmos and we've certainly played a healthy share of them including world of warcraft and i just wanted to thank brian for agreeing to come on the show and talk about his story because it's a very relevant topic for a lot of people, just how addictive these games can be and not at all, and at a point, not very helpful to our personal lives. So Brian's going to talk to us about that. And you, I know, Brian, that you said that you're a little nervous to be on the game podcast show because you are like not really a gamer anymore. But as Mark and I said, we're sure that you'll be able to jump in with awesome color commentary. Yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I certainly hope so. Consider this your your gateway drug to get you back into the throes of gaming addiction. <laughs> oh man, I, I'll warn you. I'll warn you. If you get me back into gaming, then I have to live with you. So that's <laughs> well, you know, we have a we have a cat that's kind of you know prohibitive for that. But <laughs> I could work out an arrangement. <laughs> I would say I'd live in the basement, but I don't know. Yeah, so. now you now that you know the horror. Yeah, yeah maybe not. <laughs> anyway, we're really pleased to have Brian on board tonight and uh looking forward to grilling him with questions. <laughs> Before looking we on, get into guys, that I'm very though, excited to be here. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And listeners, if you have any comments or feedback you want to provide on this show, send it into mail. M A I L at channelmassive dot but before we get into your feedback on the last episode, of which we've got a very healthy amount, 
and also get into what we've been playing and talking to Brian about his experiences in gaming. We have Intro Getin. Yes. And I'm kind of concerned for our listeners, Mark, because they they may not have a chance to listen to this episode if they try to, if I actually miraculously get it edited by Saturday and they want to listen to it, then they may not be able to because the internet will be down. The oh. internet will be offline uh, due to some hacktivism going on. Um, and it's to, you know, it's to show the greedy bankers and other folks, you know, um, <clears throat> that they're in the wrong by punishing all of us. So it makes a lot of sense and we're all looking forward to it very much. But yeah, we, we will be providing helpful tim- tips on how to create your own caching DNS server to avoid this terrible calamity of the year uh, <laughs> 2012. But, uh, you know, you might not get it in time. It depends. It'll be a desperate race against time to see if Noah can get this thing edited and released <laughs> in time for you to consume it. <laughs> Well, then you got to stay up all night listening to it too. Otherwise, right. you may not you may not get the opportunity. Must build caching DNS server. <laughs> Must. Do yeah, it but that that all is what it amounts to is they're basically shutting down the root DNS servers. Yeah. yeah. But so, in other words, couldn't you still get to websites if you knew their numeric IP address or whatever it's called? Yes, if you knew the IP address, you could theoretically get to the website, but. The website might have dependencies on DNS that might just break it anyway, so it's it's hard to say just what would be functional if that were to actually happen. Um, and the crazy thing is, so this is anonymous, the the hacktivist group. Um, they have a pretty good track record of um, making their promises uh, real. So they um, in December 2010 they attacked Visa and Mastercard companies for being greedy. Um, January 2011, they attacked the Tunisian government websites in response to censorship and also attacked the Egyptian government websites. Um, July 2011, they uh, breached the database of biotech giant Monsanto, who is all into cool stuff like um, genetically engineered seeds and pesticides and uh, Agent Orange during the Vietnam War. In October 2011, they launched Operation Darknet, which took over. They took down over 40 child pornography sites and published the names of over the 1,500 um, individuals that were involved with that. Oh, and then yeah. in January 20th of 2012, they went after the Department of Justice and FBI sites and took them down temporarily um, because of their persecution of mega upload and the it, um, during the SOPA piracy thing. So. The thing is, usually when they make their threats, they actually pull them off. So it's really funny that so far in advance, they've said, hey, we're going to mess with the root DNS servers, and there's not much you can do about it. So it'll be really interesting to see if they achieve it. Um, It's definitely pretty brazen. Do you think that it's feasible, Mark? Yeah, I think it is feasible. Just based on their track record? Yeah, based on their track record. um, You know, I'm not sure what their track record is as as far as giving advance notice of something like this. But those root DNS servers have been around forever, and um, as far as I know, they're not using um, – there's, like, this new kind of, like, um, concept of, like, secure DNS, and the root DNS servers are not configured that way. That's not something that we actually, you know, use day-to-day. So I'm curious to see what they will actually do um, and if they can actually take that whole, like, network offline. I mean, if you can imagine what that would do – to have those guys be down so that every DNS server that goes to look, you know, it starts at the root and works its way down. 
Um, if the root guys are gone, it's going to be really interesting to see what the ramifications are. Um, so in the meantime, build yourself a caching DNS server, and uh, you'll be able to weather the storm as long as you cached all the stuff you want. But like I said, the sites that you hit might be dependent on you know DNS lookups for their own function that are you know external DNS. And if that's the case, um, it, it won't be very pretty. <laughs> Not only that, but you know, if you work in IT, plan on working. Yeah. Those days. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's right. If you're in and IT, uh, <laughs> you won't be gaming anyway, so you know, not yeah. if it's online. It'll be really cool because your your executive leadership will all be like, "I need my email. There's an important deal going down." And you'll be like, "I, I the email server's fine. I just, you know, you can re- revert to you know Scotty from Star Trek. I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. <laughs> but uh, you know, it'll it'll be for naught. So I'm, I'm curious to see if it's if it's going to work or, you know, April 1st is, uh, is coming right up too. So who knows? Maybe on April 1st, I'll say just kidding. And they'll have actually taken something else horrible down. I don't know. Well, not That's that a the really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Right. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll punish Blizzard for the whole Pandarian expansion. I don't know. <laughs> Hey, someone has to. That's an embarrassment. Some, well, I think the u I think the uh, user base will punish them. <laughs> but we'll well, get you know, into what's that interesting one. is speaking of that, they have two more expansions planned after that. They're like, oh yeah, we got a plan. Wow. We know what we're gonna do. It's like I don't know if there's a lot of coming back from that panda episode. I think they're gonna they're gonna get a lot of bad press for that. Or they're gonna yeah, have to what, do what something do you... really extreme in the other direction for the next expansion. Yeah, I don't know what what do you do after that Pokemon? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I think, you know, I think Noah's headed towards, like, you know, triple X-rated World of Warcraft to make up for that bad there. <laughs> As I always uh, am. Unlock epic <laughs> dancing. Prepare for epic mounting. <laughs> I was totally going to say something about that. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, gosh, that takes you back. Mount me for a mount. Mount me for a mount. One of our best stories we ever covered. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder Frank. where she is now. I'm probably being mounted as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Next topic, (laughs) Assassin's Creed 3. Not that there's any correlation here between women and mounting and stuff like that, but the developer, someone representing Ubisoft, that would be creative director Alex Hutchinson. He spoke to Kotaku about developing Assassin's Creed 3, which is going to feature a half-colonial, half-Native American assassin in the Revolutionary War time period in North America. And somehow, someway, the topic of why haven't you yet made a female assassin the star of this game yet? Because there were female assassins in Brotherhood that you could hire into your little guild. And Hutchinson responded, it's always up in the air. I think lots of people want it, but in this period, it's been a bit of a pain. The history of the American Revolution is the history of men. (gasps) (laughs) He continues, there are a few people like John Adams' wife, Abigail. They tried really hard in the HBO series, John Adams, to make it not look like a bunch of dudes, but really it's a bunch of dudes. (laughs) He's like, it felt like that if you had all these men in every scene and you're secretly stealthily in crowds of dudes as a female assassin, it starts to feel kind of wrong. People would stop believing it. Oh, yeah, because Arya Stark is so hard to believe in from Game of Thrones. Man, 
Not to mention the creative liberties that they take in Assassin's Creed anyways with history. I know. It's like, oh, yes, Assassin's Creed. Why why even go to school? Just play our game. You'll learn all about history. <laughs> what do you think about this, Brian? I, you know, I don't know. It's it's a game, right? So, yeah, it should be kind of historically accurate. But I, you know what? If I want to read about history or learn about history, I'll read a book. But frankly, and this is my opinion, and we'll we'll get to this when we talk a little bit about WoW, but I only play female characters when given the choice, because if I'm going to stare at someone's butt for that long, I don't want it to be a dude. <laughs> That's just my opinion. <laughs> You're not alone. There are many who do that. I think Jason played lots of women in his MMO time as well. J- Jason just liked to look pretty. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was more of a you know it was more of a private achievement for him than, than just, <laughs> the body beautiful real yeah I just like sometimes he likes to feel pretty and you know when he can't get into his closet full of drag clothes and stuff <laughs> he he likes to play World of Warcraft as a as a female so well you know it's it's not socially as socially acceptable i guess i should say on the outside world right but in wow and you know like in games like star wars galaxies where you could make your own metal bikini i mean come on yeah, Hell yeah. craft that as an entertainer that's right Dance yeah the entertainer. that's right help people relieve their ptsd this is awesome <laughs> um i think i agree i i think there should be a, a choice to be male or female in Assassin's Creed, but um, I would, I too would like, I like to watch like super fast, nimble female characters, you know, oh, yeah. on, okay. in these games. I, it's more believable than some hulking dude pulling off all this like you know acrobatic stuff for me, you know, and I, and it just looks cool. It's like Trinity from the Matrix and stuff. So I, I, I agree. I think they should, and I. I don't think that it's historically inaccurate. Yeah. It, or less historically inaccurate than the whole series. You yeah. can make it work. It's not real. Yeah. This By isn't the telling the way, tale. Ubisoft, not yeah. real. Not actually real. <laughs> Made up in your head. Yeah. <laughs> now, what was real were the 402 red, green, and blue frosted cupcakes that were delivered to. BioWare's offices. I think actually just today or yesterday, as part of yet another protest from gamers upset about the ending to the trilogy, the symbolism behind the cupcakes were, yes, there's red icing, green icing, and blue icing, which ties into, are you a paragon or a neutral guy or a renegade, red, green, blue. Um, But the endings like the cupcakes, are in fact all the same. Yeah. And Bioware, it's it's interesting how the response was actually given by community manager Chris Priestley, who said, The gesture certainly gained our attention both with its creativity and deliciousness. However, while we do appreciate that fans were creative in how they expressed their views, after a lot of discussion, we decided ultimately the reason that they were sent was not done in the context of celebrating the work or accomplishment of the Mass Effect 3 team. This is a subtle but important aspect in determining how to pass the feedback to the team. And so therefore, they donated these cupcakes all to a children's charity. Was there was there a reason why it was four hundred and two? I mean, was the number symbolic? 
That I don't know. I don't know if that's just how many people are on the Mass Effect team. That'd be my guess. Um, that's weird. I would say 404 would be better for cluelessness, but... <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of making me hungry. Cupcake. I love cupcakes a lot. Everybody loves cupcakes. And if this many cupcakes had shown up at my work, I totally would have eaten one. I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna, damn those orphans. This is mine. <laughs> there were a series of printed out sarcastic notes that were also that also accompanied the cupcakes, which you can see pictures of this pyramid of cupcake packages over on GameInformer.com. But in the photographs, one of the notes says, I've spent the last 100 hours baking many different varieties of cakes, pies, cookies, and other desserts. Please choose from one of these three similar but differently colored cupcakes. Wouldn't it be terrible if the cupcakes were actually poisoned and then they gave them to this oh. children's charity and then like, oh my God. Could you imagine that would be horrific? And I also think that this act, if it had been the first one, would have been cool. But at this point, it's just like, get over it, people. Ray Muzika, whatever his name is. Muzika? 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 He went out there. He said, all right, our feelings are hurt. We're really sad that you don't like what I feel is Bioware's best game of all time. We're going to address your feedback in one way or the other. We will announce it. Next month, which I believe is actually supposed to be this month now, or or April, I guess. Yeah, depends on when this episode goes up. Who knows? Maybe he'll be like, it'll be like April first, and it'll be like, screw you, bitches, ha ha ha, suck it there. <laughs> yeah. Might what I do recommend? You do you do you think that this was appropriate? Is it is enough enough, or was it a good way of really driving home the point again? Um, I think it's ridiculous. It's funny, sort of, but because I guess I don't believe in the fans' point of view on this one, and I think they're just acting like a bunch of entitled nitwits and should just get over it. Um, you know, I don't I, – I, because I can't get behind what they're all about, it just seems kind of silly. But I suppose if it were a different company, like if they were sending it to Blizzard about the Pandaren expansion, I would probably be way more on board with it. <laughs> because I I agree on that one. <laughs> emotionally engaged with that. I'm, I'm emotionally engaged. Fans. In this one, I'm just like you know, guys. I think the on any author of any story, especially two to three episodes in, is entitled to end it. Well, I guess it's not really an ending, but they're entitled to tie up something in the way that they feel is correct. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. But it doesn't mean you're entitled to have a change or you're entitled to, to be Monday morning quarterback because, frankly, the fans didn't put nearly the amount of work into it that the company did. And, the you know, the, the people that wrote the wrote all the stories and came up with all that content. So, I mean, those people are way more engaged and, you know, their their reputations are tied into this, their professional um you know, there's a lot more stake for them than than the the fans, and I just think it's all you know. It's just ridiculous, and it's kind of like, it's like just the, the cupcake things thing is like kicking them when they're down. So I I think it's kind of tasteless, but would be funny in a different context. You know what's interesting is I'm not sure how much of an impact this protest is having on Bioware, because the game had great sales. I think I read that it was the most sales out of all three games in the series, which I think is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Considering it's kind of a game that you want to play from the first game, as I'm doing. But well, I got you know, an email that said, if you buy it 
you uh, via Origin. There's a promotional email from EA. If you buy it from Origin, you'll get Arkham Asylum or Arkham City for ten bucks. Oh my god! Which gosh. seemed like a really weird, desperate kind of ploy. No, but you know, I was I was at lunch today with um, a bunch of people, and like everybody there was a gamer, and somebody, one guy goes, "Man, how how are you liking Mass Effect Three? Or he, actually, I think he was talking about something specific to it, but I figured it was Mass Effect Three. I said. Mass Effect 3 goes, oh, man, that game is so good. It's like I'm so enjoying it. And then they proceeded to tell me all about this, like there's this new multiplayer aspect to it that wasn't in the other two that they really are enjoying and that is very addictive and that, you know, extends the gameplay, you know, way beyond the game. They're like, not only is the game just great to play, but this multiplayer thing is revolutionary and we're really entertained by it and we, we can level up all these other characters. And, you know, they were just going off and they were just in love with the game. And so I'm like, maybe once again this is where the, you know, the the – the the majority the silent majority is actually playing the game and enjoying it or they've moved on with their life and they're playing something else but there's this minority of people that are just so angry and have to do these you know gigantic you know this like is the PR. only change that they feel they can make in this world yeah, during this their is, lifetime they can't affect change in any other way you know they're they're yeah exactly they're so frustrated they're you know they're all living in their parents basements or something at <laughs> oh. the moment and, and uh you know now watch now that'll that'll get some we might get some cupcakes after that one but you know <laughs> it, it's just like it's like so ridiculous that they're just glomming onto this as like the worst atrocity of the year you know of the of the decade and it's it's really fairly minor thing <laughs> so i don't know i haven't what do you think brian i'm sorry i just Rambled oh no, that's that's you know I'm I'm on board with you. I I don't get it. Okay, I mean now I will I will say this. I've only finished two single player MMOs ever. Um, one was uh, uh, the the first uh, the first installment of the series we're talking about, and the other one was Dungeon Siege, uh, oh. which I played by myself. And okay. you know what? I I don't I don't read. The uh, I don't I don't care about the story I don't care about the background I don't care about the characters I when I play a game I want to blow stuff up I want to kill things I want to level up and I, I and I want to make my screen look pretty with explosions and stuff so <laughs> frankly you know oh and and I got to be honest you know I mean when I played the uh, the original um, there were certain endings that um, I'd heard you could get that I tried to get and I never could but just because I wanted to see the cutscenes so. You know, I kind of decided, hey, I'll just go on YouTube and see the cutscenes. Uh, my enjoyment really comes from playing through the game. You know, going into the area you don't know and having to fight the the guy that killed you four hundred times. You know, or thinking, oh crap, I better save this time. You know, before I right. go in there. I don't really. When I get to the ending, I don't really care. Um, so I I don't get it. I guess I certainly understand how you could be disappointed with an ending. On the other hand, you. you you paid for it. It's like buying a book and then, you know, writing the author to change the the ending of the book. I mean, it. That's you a know, perfect we, metaphor for it. Yeah, we. I don't know. I, I guess video games are becoming more entertainment now than they were, and a lot more mainstream than they were. You know, when I was a kid, you know, nobody. Well, almost nobody played them then, and now everybody does, right? So, if we're looking at them as entertainment, then we have to take the good with the bad. Uh, look at some of the TV shows that are on right now. Um, oh, God. What is it, uh, Walking Dead Season 2, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is horrible. 
Um, I did see the first season, and I'm not real excited about watching the second season when it finally comes <laughs> on Netflix. But, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not gonna, you know, pick it or send cup. Sorry, I muted myself. I'm not going to pick it or send cupcakes or something because of that, you know. I right. I don't get it. I guess, you know, they're entitled to do their thing. And, you know, honestly, I think BioWare is probably enjoying the free PR. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, you know, one other thing I'll say before just beating this subject to death, <clears throat> or as I beat this subject to death, is that, you know, normally with any other game company, I would say, hey, man, if you want a great story, read a book or you know, watch a good movie or something like that. But with Bioware, they've kind of crossed that line, and they they do have really good writing, and they do really know how to tell a story through a game. Not, they're not the only ones, but they are consistently good at it. So you know, it does my normal my normal you know fuck off and just read a book line doesn't really totally apply to them because they're so good at it. But still, I think for these fans, if you're looking for a really deep sci-fi, you know, reading experience, look look just some good books that have gotten good reviews, you know, if that's what you're really into. I'm I'm with you, Brent. I like the combat. I like the tactics. I like to, you know, I like to I like the eye candy of seeing how much explosive firepower I can deliver or, you know, or set up some kind of in, insane trap for the in, poor little NPCs to fall into and the story is usually secondary, except for some Bioware games that kind of get really tied up in them. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think they need to. I think these folks need to move on, find a new form of medium uh, media to uh, to consume than expecting a, a game to to be the be all um, for them. Done rambling. Sorry. That's okay. I think it's it's a very good point that you guys are making. Moving on to the past, nostalgic past, Wing Commander is getting a fan-made remake, which a little unusual. Usually when these happen, legals, legal people drop in and shut it down. But so far, that's not the case, huh, Mark? Yeah, and um, I don't know. Um, so I'm going to date myself here, but I was a big Amiga 500 guy back in the old days, and I was all into the games for that and loved the loved everything about that that system and the you know the computer and was all into it. And we had an Amiga users group meeting, and this guy was the the head of the users group was like, talk about a nerd convention, but anyway. <laughs> It was like, look at what I have. I've got a PC, and also look what this does. It runs this game called Wing Commander, and we were like, wow, Wing Commander, what's that? I'm like, I'm like, it can't be nearly as good. You know, I'm like well, sitting in the back. Talking? No, no, that wasn't my normal speaking voice. But I raised my eyebrow and was like, oh right, we're at an Amiga users group meeting, and you're going to tell me about some PC game that's actually good? Because at the time, I was like, PC games suck, right? You know, I'm like, PC has Zork. You know, and so I'm like, what's your CGA graphics going to be able to pump out in all four colors, including, you know, you got cyan, you got purple, you got black, you got white. Woo! But anyway, I was like, and he's like, no, it's in VGA. And I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, he shows us this game, and it's Wing Commander. And within three days, I had, I was working at a company that, 
we resold PCs. So I had basically made myself an indentured servant in order to buy a three, a whopping 386 SX16 PC just so that I could play Wing Commander because it was so impressive to me back then. I was totally into that game. I thought it was awesome. So seeing that somebody has like some fans have resurrected it and have turned it into, I mean, the visuals on it are not, I don't know if, did you guys look at the visuals or anything, but yeah, it looks pretty darn good. And uh, it's a fan based thing, you know, made with just love and good intentions and it, and the people that are playing, it's free to download and we, we can put the link up in the um, show notes for this, but um, it's actually getting good reviews from people too. So yeah, like you say, I'm expecting like origin to go, huh? What? Huh? Uh, well, we were not sending Richard Garriott into space. Occasionally, we like to, you know, kick some ass or something, but, um, you know, and, and drop the legal hammer on it. But yeah, it's it's actually it's real and it's it's playable. And I, I'm going to download it and give it a shot. I'm excited. That was my next question. I wanted to hear what you thought of it. So hopefully, next week you'll have some impressions for us. I will. Yeah, I'm going to be very nostalgic <laughs> about this one. Does it, does it use the original voice acting? I, I've heard that it does, that they, they've figured out some way to use um, – I don't believe it has any new voice acting. Um, they're doing something with old content, which is like Mark Hamill and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I'm really just fascinated to see what they've done with it. But as far as the space shooter, it was really fun. I think – I'm trying to remember – I can't even remember the name of the opponents. I'm thinking like Kilrathi or something like that, but I can't remember. They're like these tiger people where you're yeah. – yeah, spacefaring opponents and. You know, speaking yeah. of games from the past, did you ever try the new Syndicate yet? Have you tried it yet? No. Okay. I have not. We'll have to see what you think about that too. I do believe I committed to doing so, and well, when we get into what we're playing, you'll find out why I haven't done anything constructive Ooh. with my life. <laughs> well, next right? we, we right have two more stories okay. for Intergeton. Yep. PlayStation Four. Rumors have swept the internet, claiming that it's going to be called Orbis, and it's going to have a, an AMD chip that's going to be pretty sweet or whatever. It's going to support downloadable games as well as games on disk media, but perhaps the most controversial part of it is how those games are played. You will have to be connected to the internet for the games to run. Now, this is rumor. This is rumor. The rumors say you'll need to have your PS4 internet connected, the connections be live for the games to work, plus the games will be locked down to whatever PSN account they are played under, so if you go and try to sell that used game and somebody else buys it from GameStop, for instance, they would then have to pay an additional fee to unlock the game for their use because it would still be locked to your PSN account. This, hmm. of course, is making people freak out, and and, and what's funny is that Sony was not the first to have this kind of rumor out there. Yeah. Microsoft had the same type of rumor saying that somehow their new system was going to block the play of used games or it wouldn't support it or wouldn't enable it in some way. It was the technology wasn't explained uh, exactly, but for Sony to do the same thing, it's like, wow, if Nintendo actually jumped on and did the same thing, that would be the only realistic scenario where this could possibly be effective. But Mark, you found a story that said that it has analysts already saying that this is a total asinine move and that it would be Harry Carey, so to say, for Microsoft or Sony to do this. 
Yeah, you know, the the funny thing is, the more I looked into the rumor, the more I realized it was actually an analyst who suggested that it would be a, a horrible thing and a bad idea. So it was, it's kind of like hype created um, just for, you know, a talking point. There is no evidence that says that either Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo is really planning on doing anything like this. However, yeah. analysts are, like, just full of conjecture at this point. However, what they do say is, if, for instance, one of the three um, in their next-gen console made this happen, it would actually be crippling to them if the other two did not. <laughs> exactly. Right? Because GameStop, would, GameStop, who is a huge reseller of this stuff, the equipment and you know the, the, not just the platform but all the games as well, they would boycott them. They would boycott all the games for that um, system as well as the system, most likely, to punish them for it yet they would have everything else by the competitors. So if they were going to do it, they would have to be, it would have to be like a solidarity brother, you know, lockstep kind of movement to, to do it, to screw over what they perceive to be GameStop, but which is in fact the consumer. And at this point, you know, consumers have been screwed over enough that they might just come up with some other alternative, um, such as, you know, they, they say it probably wouldn't be that hard for people to come up with ways to hack something like this anyway. So, you know, who knows? But it's really all conjecture at this point. But interesting conjecture. It's it's a really interesting concept. You know, I I have to wonder just because it's Sony that they might just do it because they're Sony. I mean, that's right. Think of all the <laughs> things that's like take the mini disc, for example, that like could have been a much better media format than the CDs right. and the DVDs that get scratched if you look at them, you know, but because it was Sony and they copyrighted it. No one else could use it, so no one ever bought them. Right. Ex- except for me, you know. And it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys have you guys ever seen the Honey Badger video? Yes, I have not. Mm-hmm. So Sony to me is like the Honey Badger. It's like Sony don't care. Sony don't give a shit. Oh look at that! Sony just got bit by that cobra, but Sony's okay. So I think <laughs> I think you're right. I think if any of the three were to do it, it would be Sony, just because they're like we're Sony. We can survive anything, even our own, even screwing ourselves over, you know, so. That's right. That's and right. We, and by the way, we won the Blu-ray battle, so we are on a high, you know, right now. <laughs> we're, we, we're pretty, we, we have, what would you say they've done? They've, they've reassured themselves of their own dominance with that one. So, yeah, <laughs> I could see it happening. What isn't going to happen is Warhammer 40K as an MMO. Oh, THQ's Dark Millennium game, which I think was announced two or three years ago, and I was personally excited about it because, like, whoa, a sci-fi MMO. Of course, we have Star Wars: The Old Republic now, and also that Star Trek Online. Filled. Yeah, and that yeah, niche has been filled again. Plenty of options. And Eve Online. There. Yeah. Eve on, well, yeah. <laughs> that but, one. <laughs> yeah, that one. That thing. Uh, THQ just made an abrupt announcement saying that the game is not being canceled, but it's no longer going to be an MMO. It's instead going to be a single-player RPG with some online multiplayer features or modes. The CEO of THQ, Brian Farrell, said, As previously announced, we've been actively looking for a business partner for the game as an MMO. However, based on changing market dynamics and the additional investment required to complete the game as an MMO, we believe the right direction for us is to shift the title from MMO to a premium experience with single and multiplayer gameplay, robust digital content, 
and community features. And because of this decision, that means that about 100 workers, well, actually, I guess I'd say 110, 120, are being let loose both in Austin and in Vancouver. And that's really a bummer because Relic is a company that I think could have done something cool with the genre um, just because all their other games are really cool. I mean, they're the Company of Heroes guys. They're, yeah. the, they're the Dawn of War guys. Yeah. They are, um, you know, they make good stuff. And Impossible Creatures, Homeworld, Homeworld, Homeworld Cataclysm. I mean, these guys are getting consistent um, Metacritic scores between like 80 and 100, or not 100, but like 95 and stuff. So they don't make stuff that's crap. And I think they could have spun spun a, you know, taken a new spin on it, breathed some fresh air into the genre, especially with the space MMO. So it, it's really kind of a sad thing to see this kind of fold. Yeah. I mean... But I if you're know. really into the 40K property, which a lot of people are, and it'd be great to see Warhammer get some really popular video games out there since uh, Warhammer Online has been eh, and their Dota spinoff Dota-inspired spinoff is still in no. beta. Not a lot of feedback on that yet. I still it's not looking it. too exciting to me. Yeah. So it'd be great to see this 40K really kick some butt. And maybe it still will. It still will. We'll just have to wait and see. That is the end of our longest intro getting yet. We could probably just stop the podcast now if we wanted to, but well, that would not be fair. Most <laughs> podcasters would, but that's what makes us different. That's what makes us massive. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee... You'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Keep the, keep the, the British uh, chick saying things and, you know. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like Brian's ready to have Tara on the show and be a, <laughs> do a four-way co-host thing. Tara's our favorite. <laughs> British re- listener. Oh, uh-huh, nice. Yeah. She's she's really very cool. And as it turns out, she is a substantial part of the feedback for episode 191. Last week, we talked about a ton of stuff in our intro getting, talked more about Mass Effect 3, just all sorts of stuff all over the map. And Tara gave us a lot of feedback on many of the items. I know at one point we were talking about the iPad 3 and smartphones, and I think, I don't know if it was you, Mark, or if it were Bob who made some disparaging remark about Blackberries, which I just I, saw a headline today that they've abandoned consumer business and they are now going strictly business. Yeah, business. and even that ship is sailing, but yeah, I was the one who started it and Bob jumped on too because we had the same, we have the same basic opinion. They've admitted Naked. defeat finally, it's about time. Yeah, they yeah. well they didn't have any um they had no new products to show at the consumer whatever um trade show thing that they that usually they used to dominate in the old days. They had nothing. 
like I were Blackberry and mm. we used to be a force. But so. as it turns out, Tara's mother and older sister will still be carrying the torch at least for a little while longer because they both just got new Blackberries for their upgrades. And Tara's using an HTC Desire S. But as far as tablets are concerned, she doesn't want anything to do with a tablet of any kind, not even Windows 8, and she does love Windows. But she says that they just seem needless. Like Bob says, it's easier carrying around a little notebook and a pen, and I still do this. It's well more convenient. As for Minecraft, that's other another game that she has tried, and she can't couldn't stand it. And instead she's playing Terraria, which you can get on Steam. And I, I looked at it, and to me it looked like a side-scrolling 16-bit version of Minecraft. And according to Tara, she says, many people say Terraria is Minecraft for people who hate Minecraft. And I think it's true, actually. It's like Final Fantasy meets Minecraft and awesomeosity ensues. Have either of you played Terraria? No. I thought no. she just made it up because it sounded like her name. <laughs> I, I, I played Minecraft for about three minutes one time, and I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I'm in this world, and I'm supposed to build it? I don't, I don't know what the thing is, the purpose, yeah. but... Three, see, if you, it's really funny, but everyone I've talked to that's played it that's actually gotten into it has said something very similar. Like, the first few minutes, they don't get it. And then all of a sudden, they get in their mind, well, before I just close this thing up, I'm going to build, like, a shack or something. They want to, they get it in their mind, their head, to build a little something. And that little something starts to become bigger and bigger and greater and greater and more and more complicated. And the next thing you know, they're in it like 20 hours and then 40 hours and 80 hours. And it's that fortunately you got out while the getting was good because I didn't. <laughs> so live, live your life, live for me because I'm here in Minecraft. I'm playing sounds, right now. Sounds a lot like second life. Is that still around? People still play that? Gosh, I didn't no, it, it? It's still around, but um, like the corporate sponsorship that once made it, you know, kind of relevant has slowly eroded, and now it's just people figuring out how to make penises rain on their adversaries <laughs> and other. <laughs> so it's a common it's, task. It's okay. kind of gone by the wayside. Um, hopefully, something will emerge that fills the niche that they were trying to achieve, but doesn't, you know, with style and with awesomeosity, as uh, Tara would say. So. We'll see what happens. That's a great word. I like osmosity. I would have never been able to set it and let her know what Like when I tried to read it, I was like, awesome city. But yeah, I like that. <laughs> Tara continued with her feedback saying, I can't believe you gave me so much gaming prestige on the last show. But a friend was over when I was listening to the podcast and agreed with you. So I guess I'll say thanks. But I'm sure there are games out there that I don't know about. And I think she's just a little bit embarrassed here. But she did agree with how Bob felt about the ending to Knights of the Old Republic 2. It was so horrible. I was so very let down at the end. And I agree that it's hard for reviewers to review to the end of an RPG because of time constraints. 90% of the games that I play are rented games because of the cost that uh, that games are these days. I have my gold, quote-unquote, collection, which are games that I won't sell. And I'll rarely get a game at full price. Because of this, demos and friends' opinions are very important to me. I was talking about Tara with this outside of this feedback, and I think she even said at one point that she likes it when reviews have the ending in them or, or tells you kind of what to expect, which lets her know that 
the re the reviewer is actually giving a review that covers the entire game. But for me, I, I, I'd rather just take it on good faith that the reviewer played through the game adequately versus ruining the ending. Because I'm just, I like, unlike Brian, I like story and mini games and I care about the need. I don't necessarily want to work towards something that I know exactly what's going to be. But what lore, do you guys think? Lore, lore, lore. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brian? I don't know about the ending to the game or about... Uh, about no. a, rev a review that, like, spoils the ending. Does that... See, no, that would actually bother me because even though I don't necessarily care about the ending... Um, let me let me clarify that a little. I care about the ending. I don't care about the lore. So I like I will watch the ending into the game, but I don't read all the text. You know, I'm just I'm the guy who just give me the quest, just tell me the three trinkets I need to pick up and the ten guys I need to kill, right? But I do I do like to see the ending. And now if I if I already knew the ending of a game, I'd be less likely to actually play it probably. So it, it's kind of. Kind of doesn't make sense with what I said earlier, right? Because <laughs> I, no, I, I don't, I, I, get it. <laughs> I don't care a lot. But on the other hand, I, I, what I really like about games is I, I like to explore. So right. you know, I think that's why I like MMOs so much is because they never end. You know, right? Constant exploration. Well, would do is some of it also how the story is delivered for you, Brian, and that. Like with the Old Republic, every single piece of dialogue is voice acted and has pseudo-cinema presentation of it, whereas with World of Warcraft, it was definitely screens of text for a lot of yeah. the quests. Would you have felt differently if the if all of World of Warcraft was voice acted and had camera angles and stuff? Oh, most definitely. I just don't want to read. You know, I, I know that's that's. Yeah. <laughs> I I like to read books. I just don't I don't want to read in a game. I want to get on with the killing, and it just seems like it's. You know, when you're watching a voice actor do it with some nice cinematics, it's like watching a little mini movie. So, you know, that would be that would be cool. How about you, Mark? Do you like knowing the Indians in advance? No, no, I hate knowing. I I, I fight uh, against people like Jason, uh, my good buddy, who loves to spoil endings of books, movies, TV shows, TV series. <laughs> it's it's like I'm like no don't tell me don't even give me hints I don't even want a hint I don't want because it'll it'll spoil it for me completely um, to the point where if like if you spoil the ending if you you know even as much as I know about Mass Effect three it's it's actually really kind of a bummer for me to even think about playing those three games now so but I will I have to at this point because of all the hype and stuff I have just got to find out for myself but um. Yeah, I hate I hate knowing any spoilers, and so a review like that, even from a friend, is terrible to me. So, not a big fan of it. As for playing Dungeons and Dragons, it turns out that Terror was a D and D player many years ago as well. Color me surprised. Two point oh and two point five, and it was a family thing because her older sister actually was DM for quite a while, and even Terror herself. It's in DMing for three years, but as with many great fond memories related to gaming during college years, once everybody graduated from college, the whole D&D &D thing kind of went down the tubes. And for Terry, she's like, I really miss playing. There's no opportunity for me to play it around here either, so that's sad. But it made me wonder. I think that some people do play D&D &D via Skype 
and webcams and stuff like that. And so I'm curious if there are any out there. At least I think there are. I'm not sure if it's easy to find or get into something like that, but technology could facilitate it potentially. It could. It really could. I mean, and there's like a thing that um, TSR was making for a while to help out with remote Dungeons and Dragons play sessions where it would, I think it provided you with a map and, you know, you can move the little on the screen, you can move all the characters and it gave you some kind of rough VoIP um, capability. And I'm not sure what else it did. I, I never looked into it too deeply, but um, I'm just not surprised that she was a D&D player just because she's one of those people that I feel like, um, like, it's just like funny when you talk about gaming, you're like, were, were you there like the whole time I was doing that? Were you doing that too? You know, it's like, I think you get that too. I mean, like, especially with the Nintendo oh, yeah. stuff, she's more mm-hmm. into the, the more of the Eastern um, RPGs, you know, but it's just somebody with that much depth and breadth in gaming is like, you're like, you were right there. And that, that is, I was going to ask um, Tara if she had played ready or not played, if she had read um, ready player one yet, because the author of that oh, book, okay. I feel like, was right there with me through my entire gaming life. Like, he could have been, like, the kid around the corner or something because of just the history that he kind of, um, you know, it, it, what would you say? He he shows an utter and complete knowledge of the stuff he's talking about from the 80s that you would almost have to have lived through to have been able to know what was relevant and what wasn't. And it's like, I feel like he was right there. So I wonder if Tara's read that. Maybe if she's listening, she can let us know. Curious. You are quite the shill for that Ready Player One book. I am. I Well, you know, who started it was Jeff um, Blanco started mm-hmm. it. And and he convinced me. And now that I've read it, I've got, I have my bosses reading it. Um, a bunch of people at work are reading it. I'm like the... I'm like the Ready Player One, like, yeah, shill, corporate shill. And I am reimbursed for it, as is Jeff, so. <laughs> Kickbacks. Yeah, thank you, Ernest Klein. I'm I'm expecting my check for 59 cents this week. <laughs> so, anyway, you may continue, Noah. Now, something re- that Tara's not been playing is League of Legends. We've talked before about how she doesn't really like the game, and she's tried it a couple times and been really frustrated, but... We've talked about it enough on this show, much as it has been for many of our listeners, that she decided recently to try again to try to play it. And she's been trying to get into the game, but she doesn't mean actually getting into playing it. She means actually getting it to load. Apparently there's some problem overseas with the European folks trying to play League of Legends where they just can't connect. It won't allow a connection to the server. And there are all sorts of forum threads about this with people complaining for over a year. And Riot just is like, whatever, you're not doing something right. You didn't download the client right or you installed something wrong because we don't have any problems. So she's hoping that she can get back into it. She says, no one knows the trials I went through actually playing the game before. Not a fun experience for me. But I like to come back to games I hated and see how they're doing. Maybe something's changed or a character's been introduced that will make it fun for me. Well. She should try Heroes of New Earth. She could really hate that one and come back to it anytime she wants. <laughs> Very true. And also the Europeans, you know, it's hard to say what their technological issues are with League of Legends. You know, they don't spell words correctly like color and other things like that. So I'm not sure. They, they don't know how to speak or spell American. And that's their biggest challenge, my humble opinion. 
<laughs> Tara wrapped up her email talking about World of Warcraft, which she played since beta long ago. And she only quit just a few months ago, but she's just disillusioned with the game. She says, tired of it, and the new expansion just looks awful. I'm done with World of Warcraft. And then she mentioned again that she enjoyed the Old Republic, and she would continue playing that if it weren't a, a pay-for-play MMO. But she instead she's just going to wait until one year passes, and in the meantime, hopefully play Guild Wars 2 and Diablo 3. Oh, Diablo 3, boy. Oh, that's coming soon. What, like that's, two weeks now? Less than yeah, two weeks? That is, uh, yeah, prepare for... I've already told my family, you know, that it will appear that I am dead. But I will be alive, just locked in the basement with my stadium pal to pee in and stuff. and <laughs> oh, um, to the aroma of your cap. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Thank you, Dave Sedaris, for making me aware of that fine product. But, yeah, I'll be... Um, you know, I'm going to be kind of in a... It'll be like a, the Chris Farley thing where he took Hibernol on Saturday Night Live and just slept through the cold season. I plan to be um, pretty much gone for the entire summer as I play Diablo 3. Um, hopefully work won't figure it out that, you know, I'm just going to call in sick every day and we'll see how it goes. There's going to be a lot of that when that comes out. Here's a Here's a little known fact about me. I played... So I played Diablo 1 a long time ago, and then Diablo 2, I actually had a job for a while where my job was to babysit a database that no one was using because <laughs> they couldn't figure out how how to shut down the office here. So I leveled a hardcore character to level 99 in Diablo 2 while I was at work. Nice. <laughs> wow. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. That is someone, you're someone de- truly dedicated to gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt. I think that, I think that account is still active. As a matter of fact, I gave it to a friend, and after as of about two months ago, last time I talked to him, he would log in every now and then and make sure the character was still there. Wow. Oh man, that is awesome. Diablo, what class you know? was the character? Uh, Orb Sork. Orb and well, what was the Fire Tree one? Uh, I don't remember the no. Meteor. Orb Meteor. Wow. And even though the sorcerer is very, very, very small in Diablo 2, you still went with the character who's behind you could handle looking at the most. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always play magic users, too. That's, that's oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, that would be the perfect one. It's funny. I, it, you know, you, you some games are just, you know, universally hated. But it's really hard to find someone who's like, man, I hated Diablo 2. In fact, I've never met anyone who didn't. Just say, man, I spent way too much time playing that game. You know? I don't know about you you guys, but have you ever oh, run yeah. into anyone who just was like, man, that game sucks. Fuck that. No. Yeah, it's pretty much universally loved. Yeah, pretty much. I, I've I've met people that have said, I hate that game because it ruined my life. But Right, you know, right. <laughs> but, but nobody was like, man, I just couldn't get into it. I didn't understand it. It just went over my head or, you know, it's like... Well, that's cool to hear from Terry, you know. I mean, I think we all agree that, uh, well, we'll get into it later, but I don't know anyone who's a WoW player, a former WoW player, who sees the the, the Pandarian thing as like a really a exciting reason, reason yeah. to get back into it. And as far as people who are actively, actively playing it, I don't know that they're really thinking that it, that is the expansion that, you know, is kind of, justifying the fact that they've continued to play it this whole time either. <laughs> yeah. But thanks, Ter, for writing in. Yeah. yeah. 
Let us know about Ready Player One. Want to know? <laughs> Our next email is from Hilgi Scott, who says, "Hi guys, I finished Mass Effect Three, and I too thought the ending wasn't so great. Still, really love the whole series, and of course, Bioware doesn't owe anyone anything. I like the girl from Ipanema as much as the next guy, but you guys used to rock. What happened? Later, Hilgi. Then he added a P.S. I'm currently listening to episode 56." And in an email, someone referred to some of the songs you guys were playing as butt rock. To each his own, I guess. <laughs> well, Mark, how do we put this? <sighs> well, <clears throat> let's see. When I used to edit the podcast, I used to choose, like, music. Well, I assumed that everyone was... So here's the thing. I assumed that everyone was asleep by the end of um, each of our segments. So I tried, <laughs> tried to choose music that would, like, get people kind of enthusiastic and awake again, especially because I felt a lot of responsibility for those who were listening to it during a commute, and so I didn't want them to fall asleep at the wheel. So I tried <laughs> to pick stuff like Ramstein and, you know, I don't know, stuff that was kind of heavy and exciting, you know, like Rob Zombie or something like that, to get them awake. And then that gradually started to turn into, like, this weird, obscure like European yes. death metal, um, symphonic you metal, like Japanese and black metal. Jap- yeah, I like got like really. Uh, it was basically like my Howard Hughes time in the editing booth, you know, where I like just kind of went off the beaten path and went a little bit crazy. Started to grow my fingernails really long and experimented with you know prescription narcotics and stuff and. And that that kind of explains the musical directorship that happened under my reign. And then Noah took over and kind of sanitized it all, and uh, sanitized it. And now <laughs> now we have uh, you know music sequences that are. Oh, the other thing was I would let it go for like you know however long it took me to feel like we were really into it. So so I violated like the uh, fair use policy quite often. But Noah keeps it under eight seconds and picks music that's more appropriate and it's. It's much better in general since he took the helm anyway. Oh, well, that's really nice of you, Mark. Well, it's true. It's just, you know, it's a much better quality, a more consistent product than what I was doing. But um, that that kind of explains it. The butt rock was when I, just out of spite, played, um, I think it was that band Bang Camaro, which is like 300 oh, people God, on stage, and they all have handle, handlebar mustaches. And I've, I've put that on just for fun. <laughs> it was so universally that is hated. butt rock. <laughs> it's butt rock to a T, you know. So that's what that came from. And I made my brother-in-law, Jim, who used to be on the podcast, go see them live. And we walked out um, after, like, three songs. It was pretty funny. <laughs> you know who I always think of when I hear butt rock? It's the guitar player from the 90s. His name starts with an S. It's not, it's not Santana, but it's like San... Rio not, or not Slash? No, not Slash. From it's the who like makes albums of electric guitar rock that's really sunny, but it's still rock. There's no lyrics. It's all instrumental. Is it like virtuoso guitar playing or just shitty guitar playing? It's like you know California beach ball guitar rock. Hmm, I don't even know what that is. This uh, is game. Oh, hmm. I can't remember his name. There were several people in high school. Not who, Santana. Not Santana. Not Steve Vai. No. Not, not Joe <sighs> Satriani. That's the Satriani? one. That's who I was going to say, Satriani, yeah. Yeah, Satriani. Well, 
Well, he's like a virtuoso guitarist, though, so... But all the music of his that I've heard, which I personally have no issues with, but I've always thought that that was the definition of butt rock. Maybe it is. I don't know. I think it's Bang Camaro because they're... But Bang Camaro is a perfect new definition for that. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, so Hilgi Scott, um, if and when in the future, if I edit the podcast over at Mark's place, then I will have access to his music library, which he kind of didn't really confess is like 90% crazy ass crap metal. (laughs) And when that's the case, I just pick it randomly from folders of artists that I've never heard of. I'm like, sure, whatever this song is about killing people and sacrifices, and yep, throw it in. (laughs) So back, I have to confess back in the, in 2010, I, as an experiment decided to get on Usenet and download every single metal album that was released (laughs) that year. Actually, I downloaded it in 2011 but so I have all that, and for some reason I just can't seem to delete it off the hard drive, even though I should. So I have this like really weird, like eclectic. It is extensive ec- too. I mean, you have hundreds of folders. I do have quite a huge. And unfortunately, I I just do not have your encyclopedic knowledge of that genre of music. So, I well, no one should. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a thing to brag about. It's more of an affliction. <laughs> But we will try to surprise you. Maybe that's what we'll do. I'll I'll give you some surprise tracks to throw in at random intervals. Yeah. Just to make I'll sure people like, don't fall asleep at the wheel. Islands in the Sea and other soft rock hits and then one death metal thing right in the middle of it. Just to- <laughs> that or like like a dead mouse dubstep song or something. <laughs> that's right. I need to do lots of dubstep. Yeah, some wobble bass. I have you got to keep people on their toes. Exactly. Yeah, it's for their own good. So, but Elgie Scott, either way, we appreciate that you still stomach my uh, my music random music selections, which I know that are getting a little bit long in the tooth, and that you're still listening to all these old episodes, which is more than we can say for ourselves. I don't think we'd want to relive them. <laughs> Someday I will when I'm old, and, you know, like someday when I'm in my 80s. I'll yeah. be like, man, I used to be a super international recording superstar. <laughs> I'm going to listen to some of this. Noah, come on over. We're going to drink some tea, part. drink some herbal tea and listen to this and talk about our bowel movements. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's what you do when you're that old, I think. I think so. Come on, what we're playing. So, this is the part of the podcast where we talk about what, well, I'm apparently from Chicago now. This is where (laughs) we talk about what what we've been playing. And if Mini Dicka or Big Dicka could be the best coach, <laughs> we'd talk about it. No, aside from eating sausage sandwiches, what have you been playing? Uh, <laughs> okay, so I got to play a little bit of Mass Effect. I just shoehorned it in somewhere because nice. I was going to play it this last weekend, but my whole schedule kind of got up and I ended up doing something else. So I fit in just a little more time and actually looked at the equipment that my party had for like the first time. I seriously looked at it. I'm like, Oh yeah. Some of this is pretty early starter level armor. And this is some early start. I'm like, wow, they could have some really powerful guns. So 
equipped all that. And this is what's really pathetic is it got back into my ship and it's like, all right, let's fly to planets. And there's just so many galaxies and there are so many planets. And I flew to the system where the last player character was, where you're supposed to pick her up at. And there's four or five planets in that system. And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out how the fuck to land the damn spaceship. It's like I can travel to them and I can read little <laughs> screens that provide a summary of text information about the planet, but there's no option that's like land. And I kept thinking like, well, maybe this is a planet that has a hostile environment so I can't get onto it. So what I was doing was I'd go to the stupid freaking elevator, which is the only way that you can get down to where the cargo berry area is, where that little Jeep thing is. Cause I'm like, well, maybe that's where I need to go to get onto the planet. Are you going to try and fly your Jeep onto the planet, like in well, heavy metal when they land you, the Corvette? <laughs> the galaxy map says travel to this planet. And then you zoom into it. So I'm like, well, I guess we're ready to land. I'm like, why aren't we landing? So I would ride that stupid elevator ride, which is a loading screen in disguise that's actually about 60 seconds. And then I'd run over there with each planet. And I did that with each of the five planets. And I still have no fucking idea how to land the ship. <laughs> and I have quests to do. And it's like, what the hell? I did not miss something about this. Is there, like a, is there a space station you can go to that then has a shuttle to get to the planet? I don't, I don't remember how you get to the planet. I have I no idea. She's on one of the freaking planets, and I've tried to land on all of them. <laughs> and I can travel to them, and I can read a little trivia about it. And there's one that's actually inhabited, so I'm almost positive she's on that one, and I can't figure out how to land on it. <laughs> Maybe this game is just not your it's, thing. It's beyond my skill set. There's not a killing. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> this is a sign that there's a reason why I've stopped playing RPGs years ago. <laughs> I never to return to them ever, ever, ever that's again. That's too funny. <laughs> and I also got Journey on the PlayStation 3. And it is a fantastic, super awesome, downloadable game. Just as great as you might have read about all over the internet during the last couple of weeks. The reviews have all been very high. And I had I played through it with my mom because I was, got to see my parents this last weekend. Showed them some of that. Showed them some God of War 3. And then uh, my gaming buddy came over last night. We I had him play through the game. And it's it's so cool because there's no text or dialogue in it and there's really very minimal directions and how to play. It's just very much exploratory. And there's a lot of symbolism and... Just you have to kind of figure out what the story is for yourself based on what you see going on. And there, there's a lot of ways that you can read into those metaphors. And so artistically and aesthetically and even emotionally, it's a really cool game. And being a downloadable title, you can get through it in about an hour and 20 minutes. But it's worth playing through several times just to explore it and see what happens, especially because of how they handle multiplayer. You are playing a single character and you will... In each level, provided there's someone else there, you'll run into somebody else playing the game. But you can't talk to each other. You can't type messages. You can't select from pre-typed messages. The only thing you can do is let out a chime. You can kind of bang it out really quickly, or you can let out a you can charge it up and let out a big chime. That's the only way you can communicate with each other. But since the game encourages people to play through repeatedly, um, what's really cool is you can run into somebody and they'll be like you'll be like, oh, there you are, and then you'll catch up, and because it's, it's this desolate landscape. There's nobody else there. 
except for you and this other person. And they'll help you. They'll be like, come over here. They'll like run over to an area where there's this hidden thing that can increase your life bar. And they'll ding, 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 their little chime. And it's such a cool experience. And it strips away so much of the obnoxious aspects of communicating with real world people in MMOs, where sometimes you can meet some really fantastic people. You can meet your future spouses in MMOs. I'm not saying that interaction sucks in MMOs, but there's a lot of griefers. There's griefers in League of Legends. And this game, by limiting how you can interact, but still allowing you to do so many things together on this really emotional journey, this metaphorical journey, um, makes it such a really cool experience. And I highly encourage it. If you can try it, if you can get the game to do so. Cool, man. That sounds pretty awesome, actually. You are really into it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely good. Unfortunately, if you don't have a PS3, you can't play it because it is an exclusive PS3 game. Yeah, I'm one of those third world people. <laughs> I think I have a PS1 in my garage. I probably can't play it on that, can I? You could try. Just most likely it'll be fraught with peril. <laughs> Anything else, Noah? Or is that pretty much it? That is everything I have to report. Brian, you haven't been playing games at all, right? Well, not really. I mean, I mean, as I was telling Noah, uh, I think yesterday, I don't really play PC or console games. I like I said, I have a uh, PS One in the garage. I have a Wii downstairs that is somewhere in the basement, not hooked up, and it's almost as fun not hooked up as it is when it's hooked up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, yeah, if it's not on my phone, I don't play it. So I play games now and then, like you know, I got Angry Birds, and I just discovered Ninja Fishing. So silly little games Android like that. Or, uh, I, iPhone. No, I got an iPhone. Oh. You should play um, Tower Defense Lost Earth. <laughs> Tower Defense. I'll look into that one. There's Mark, a zillion games. Game. There's a there's a bunch of Tower Defense games, but that one is really really good. Especially or Anomaly HD Super. Oh yeah, yeah. Tower yeah, Offense game that I totally love. Yeah, that's a true. Tower Angry Offense Bird game. Space huh? is really awesome too. Have you gotten Angry Bird Space? No, I haven't. I just saw it the other day. Oh, it's so good. I actually played that just a little bit earlier today, so I, I guess I did that one other thing. But it's awesome. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah I, I like the, I like those little games because I can play them for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, and I'm bored of them, and I don't think about them for a week, and then I come back to them. So, yeah. so I, I had a major obsession with Tower Defense Lost Earth, right, Noah? I mean, uh-huh. how many months did I play that for? Like Six, I think. Six, six months because I wanted to beat all the maps on the, the highest level without losing any lives or something like that. <laughs> and I did it, but it took six months. Oh, my and I'd gosh. Report on it, I'd report on it every week when we do our podcast. I'm like, I was doing Tower of Fizz Lost Earth. I have now played through all the maps on medium difficulty. Now I'll be in hard difficulty. And then, like, it, it was hilarious. But it's really good. It's really, if you like Tower Defense, it's really good. Yeah, I'll have to try that out. I, You know what? I get like that, too. Like, I'm still playing the original Angry Birds because I have to beat every level and get three stars. Right, right. It's that same thing. You just want all of your, like, when you look back at the level progression, you want to see it, like, perfect. And it's like, it's a OCD thing almost. But yeah, it was yeah, really exactly. cool. It's it's I got my I got my three dollars worth out of that game I would say playing it for six months solid so <laughs> yeah I'll say 
Um, so, well, I'll talk about what I've been playing, I guess. I've been playing um, Star Wars The Old Republic, and I'm at, like, level... I think I'm at level 45 in my... my I think I, re- I already told the tale that my my dark overlord, um, Lord, uh, Darth Barris, tried to kill me and um, tried to ex- blow me up. But now I work for the Emperor directly, so he's kind of like, you know... <laughs> No big deal. And uh, I just killed off his apprentice. And uh, the story really has me in its, its grips. And, I, you know, I feel like I'm heading, heading towards the conclusion because the max level is 50. And, you know, I have all my companions now. And I'm, I've got my trade skills pretty much maxed out. So it's kind of like the, you know, I'd expect in the next two weeks I'll be finished with getting up to level 50 and finish the main storyline. And see what the end game's all about but um it's been it's been really fun and i've taken it slow and enjoyed the ride and um i'm not sure that i'm gonna you know feel compelled to level up another um character really like i had originally thought um especially with diablo 3 looming ahead which will be you know the end of the end of everything um probably the podcast will be end at that point as well um but uh but yeah, it's it's really fun. I think it's a really good game. I I know there's a lot of you know people saying it, the same arguments you hear about every other MMO. People are saying about it, you know, that they didn't plan for the end game, and I'm like, you know, you you raced through the end game in two weeks, and what do you expect? You know, you you got to level fifty that fast because you played it continuously, um, you know, to the I don't know for whatever reason you were able to do such a thing, but um I I think it's I think it's I still think it's a really good game and I'm enjoying the story and um screw anyone who says otherwise I guess. Um, so I'm happy with it. I I think it'll be kinda nice to end my um monthly subscription once I'm you know kind of in a good place with the my character and kinda wait for that um the as Scott called it the uh God uh, update to come out, which has the legacy stuff, but uh, it's it's been good. That's all I'm playing. I haven't played any League of Legends for once. I have nothing to report, nor am I addicted to any iPhone games at this point. So it's all <laughs> well, good. Even I played some League of Legends. What's up with that? Wow, no, I haven't played any. I mean, it just I'm just totally consumed with trying to get through the storyline because it's when so you're good. wrapping up on schedule in advance of Diablo three. I'll give you credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna. I was planning on playing the Inquisitor storyline too, and I just don't see that as happening. Yeah. Even if I, even if I like totally twinked her out with this, what this character could pr- provide for her, I still don't think I could blaze through it. It's just, it just takes too much time, which I don't have a lot of discretionary time for gaming. So it's kind of is what it is. But it's, it's fun, and I'm enjoying it. That's it for me. Excellent. Well, coming up next, our interview with Brian. Now for our main event in this episode, our interview with Brian, former hardcore, super hardcore gamer, who now plays no games, except for the occasional casual game, as he mentioned earlier. So one of the first things I was curious about, Brian, was how you even got started. Did it all begin with World of Warcraft, or were there other games before that? You've kind of given us some clues about other stuff you've played before. 
Oh, man. Well, first of all, you said it's the main event. Now I feel like I have to make this all interesting and stuff. But will <laughs> see what I can. So the first video game I ever played um, when my family moved to Denver, uh, we had to live with my cousin. I mean, I think I was six, and he had Pong, Atari Pong, oh, yeah. on, on the TV, and that was the first game I ever played. With the paddles? With the paddles, yeah. Oh, and that's all you could yeah. do was just, just Pong. It didn't have anything else, you know, and that's the first game I ever played. Um, man, before that, I played, and then after that, of course, I played, I had a friend who had an Atari, so I played that. Um, um, I had an Intellivision, which I wanted an Atari, but my parents got me an Intellivision because they thought that was more educational. But uh turns out it really wasn't. But um, <laughs> smart thing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Played played that a lot. Um, eventually moved up to eight bit Nintendo, and you know, for Super Mario Brothers, of course, because I was playing that in the arcade and running out of money. Oh, yeah. That, that was such world, a game, world six three with the jump that you couldn't see. You had the line of the turtle that was anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, I did. I definitely. I've been playing games for as long as I can remember. Wow. Did you ever play stuff? Well, when did you actually start playing stuff <clears throat> on PC? Let's see. I think my first PC game was. Man, uh, what came out first? Was it Diablo or StarCraft? I think Diablo one was the first PC game I ever played. I think it was Diablo's first. Yeah, whichever whichever one came out first was the was yeah. the first PC game. I think that's right. Mm. Yeah. Up and, wow. up until then it was just console games though, you know. So um I did I, actually I, I didn't even I bought a PC so I could play Diablo cuz my brother discovered it and said, "Oh, dude, you got to try this game." Is your brother still big into video games? He plays a lot of console, but that's about it. Um, yeah. A lot of uh, you know Madden, whatever year they're on, and uh, <laughs> yes, one of those people. Yes, is the annual sports updates. Yeah, it kind of looks the same as last year, but with different names, and it costs sixty yeah, bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you ever play any pen and paper games? Never, never. I I tried to get into it. I just I just couldn't. And most importantly, what's your opinion of the Renaissance Festival? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have to, you know, if you go to the Renaissance Festival, you just, you know, sausage on a stick and the turkey legs. The turkey yeah. legs are the, oh my God. Yeah. That's like and the who, are the, who are the dudes? Oh man. Um, Puke and they Snot? Do, yes. Puke, and they do the same thing every year. Yeah, you, you know, know um, it's, Snot it's funny died, every right? year. No, he snot, did. Snot died, yeah. He did. The original snot There's died. There's a new snot. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I do they still do the same deal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been there since we we had. I have a three year old and a five year old, so we haven't taken them Holy there cow. there this year. I, my children are of the exact same ages. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Is your, you know how they, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <clears throat> I like that line. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, why do you wear your red shirt so they so the my men can't see me bleed? <laughs> He's talking about the other ships pull up, and he says, "Bring me my brown pants." Right, <laughs> that's too funny. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's the same old act, but it's still good. Yeah. And especially if you're drinking like a bass ale and eating a giant turkey leg, it's Heck like yeah. life. It's like life's not so bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's in the summer, so you could be doing that at nine, ten o'clock in the morning. It's okay to drink a beer that early because it's hot. Yeah, no, you're right. 
So I checked. I I checked the chronological release dates, and it's Diablo in 1996 and StarCraft in 1998. So there we, there we have it. I knew you were on the case. On the case. That's right. Well, and then you know what? Um, what really got me into Diablo was we found out that you could you could play together in the same game on this thing called Battle.net, which I joined once or twice and got killed in town a couple times and all my crap stolen from me. <laughs> then my brother and I figured out that, yeah, yeah, we figured out that I could set my modem to receive a call and he could call me, and then that was the end of uh, our uh, of anyone using, being able to call us at home ever again. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Smart. I remember. smart. So... Did you uh, did you play any other MMOs prior to World of Warcraft, or was that your first one? No, the the only one I ever played before that was uh, uh, Star Wars Galaxies, and I played uh-huh. that since release. And Stark um, just, contrast. Yes, yes, it's a that was a grind fest. I mean, it, I had fun with it, but I think it was more. Um, I was involved with quite a large guild um, in the Diablo two days, and a lot of those people went over to um, uh, to uh, Star Wars. So I played on the server with them, and it was more of a uh, – it was like a chat room with, you know, with a nice uh, graphical interface. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I when I started playing WoW, um, a lot of cool people I met had come from Star Wars Galaxies. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like Star Wars Galaxies, you know, if nothing else, it, it got a lot of people to kind of play an MMO for the first time. Because a lot of the people I talked to, that was their first MMO, and they had certain expectations and stuff, and um, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was like, you know, you moved a WoW from Star Wars, and it's like, oh, it's got all the same stuff, but it's fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? It doesn't seem totally fruitless. Like, oh, why am I doing this again? Oh, I, yeah. I, got it. I need an entertainer. I need an entertainer now. Oh, man. I do. I ground out an entertainer completely AFK all the way to master level. <laughs> awesome. Just, just because you know how you could script everything. So I learned that, and then I was like, I'm going to make an entertainer. So I did that, and yeah, what's the point <laughs> when you're not yeah. really playing it? You know. Oh, totally. I think I, I, think I was a, I was a doctor. So, um, you know, the best thing was I would, I would, you know, harvest all the stuff I needed to make my, um, my buffs because you know you couldn't fight anything unbuffed in that game and then right. i just go sit at the starport and buff people and just talk all day so that's, that's <laughs> nice. what we did <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome so was your journey into world of warcraft similar from diablo into star wars galaxies did people that you played with star wars galaxies all did you migrate <laughs> all into world of warcraft yeah pretty much pretty much um is it okay to mention the name of the guild that i was a part of there oh yeah yeah why not yeah. so the Amazon Basin is the group I was playing with. Um, the TheAmazonBasin.com is their website. Now, I don't know how active they are now, but back in the D2 days, they were, you know, they were kind of one of the first players out there, you know, or they would get special invites from Blizzard and stuff and a lot of publicity and everything. And so, yeah, a lot of those guys um, that were playing Star Wars um, went to WoW, and um, a lot of people were still playing D2. And they went to WoW as well, so we kept up on the forums and everything, and we decided two servers to play on, one for the people who wanted to play PvP and the other for people who wanted to play PvE. So it was really cool because I I already knew all these people, and we'd been using, you know, Ventrilo or um, TeamSpeak Mm -hmm. for years. 
So, I, I mean, I was friends with these people already. So that was one of the really cool aspects about moving to WoW was, you know, I I really didn't have to deal with any anyone griefing me or anything like that. I always had a group. I always had friends on, you know. We're talking, I think we had two, 300 people in the guild at one point, active wow. people. Wow, that's pretty awesome. What, yeah. what servers were you on, just out of curiosity? We played, I'm trying to remember, the, the PvP server was Tychondrius. Mm. And, um, oh man, uh, Stormrage was the PvE server. Oh, cool. And then um, we kind of had a, uh, we had sort of a relationship with another guild called the Lurkers. And they played on a PvE server called Tyrannus, so I played a little bit with them as well. Oh, right uh, they're, they're from the old Lurker Lounge, which I'm not even sure if that website is Oh, on. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I know a lot of those people, too, and they still play. I, matter of fact, I still keep in touch with a lot of them on uh, Facebook. Oh, that's oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's way cool. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely the best way to get into an MMO. I, I'm sure that without Mark and Jason and Jim... And other folks, even the listeners on this show who I've become friends with, to play along with in these MMOs, I certainly wouldn't have gotten into it at all because I just found other games and genres more appealing. But if you have really great people that you can reliably hang out with and do stuff with in these games, they're so much more fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and you know, in the early days of WoW, the the endgame content was so dang hard. I mean... I remember going through Skullamance the first time, and no one on our server was doing it because you couldn't just get five random people and expect to be able to do that dungeon. Not puggable. Yeah, it not puggable, exactly. And, and right. we got five people, and we were one of the first groups to go through it because it was the same five people every Saturday morning who, matter of fact, I talked to one of them on the phone earlier today, two guys from Canada, my buddy Jeff and I from here, and then um, another guy in the guild who lived in, I think, Georgia. So, you know, some of my best memories from the game are, are the social aspects. It didn't really matter what you're doing, but it's it's the fact that you're you're hanging out with friends. And, you know, some of these people I'd met in real life, so the Amazon Basin was big enough that yearly they had a gathering, so I actually went out to San Francisco one year and met a lot of these people face-to-face. Oh, how cool. Well, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So with uh, World of Warcraft, did, like in Star Wars Galaxy, did you have one primary character or character <laughs> class that you played? Yeah, I mean, in, you know, when I first started, I tried a whole bunch. Uh, like I said, I always I always play females, and I always start with the magic users. Mm-hmm. So I started with a, uh, not a Sorak, what do they call them in a, in a while, I totally forgot, uh, wizard, whatever. Anyway, I started with that. Uh, didn't really like that um, mage, and that's what it is. Um, so I, I ended up uh, rolling a uh, warlock because I read that oh, warlocks yeah. at release they were underpowered. No one really knew how to play them because all the dots and everything. And right. so I was like, I'm going to play a warlock. So I chose a <laughs> warlock after about a week of playing. And now I was in since beta, so when we went live, really is when I chose the warlock and. Um, that was my first tune to 60. I was the first level 60 warlock on the server. Um, and people would just look at you like, what does your character do? You know, <laughs> they didn't get it, you know. And yeah. so I really enjoyed that. I also, I think I was, the, there was another, there were only two level 60 warlocks on the server for quite some time because they were considered so underpowered. And they, maybe they were, I don't know. But um, I think I was the first one to actually get the Warlock Epic Mount, which was really cool, you know, standing oh, in, uh, yeah. 
standing in the city and you whip out your epic mount and no one knows what it is because it right. was so new, no one like, had seen it. That's so cool. It's like on fire with like yeah. a harness, like a chain harness on it or some crazy. Yeah. yeah. I and love that. Was, that. That was an incredibly fun quest, too. Very well done. Yeah. I have a level 80 warlock, so I'm with you, man. Oh, nice. Nice. Not, not 85. I kind of <laughs> slowed down. But... <laughs> well, that, that was my that was my primary. And uh, now I, I, I forgot to mention, I started out on the PvE server. Um, <clears throat> after a while, I decided... Um, so we were raiding and everything because it, it was not a problem to get 40 people. Um, we were doing, uh, I think, Blackwing and all that when it came out. And then at some point we decided, hey, let's... Let's go play with the basin over on the PvP server over on Tyke and see how that goes. So when we got over there, I initially rolled a rogue because if you're a PvE person and you go to a PvP server, you always roll a rogue because you can be <laughs> right? <laughs> so true. So I played him to like level 40 and I just couldn't get into it, you know. So um, I ended up rolling a priest. Um, oh, and I. Man. I stayed with the priest for for years, years. Uh, a healer, I liked, I loved to heal. Um, that was just, it was awesome. Um, and then, of course, because I had a healing spec priest, um, this is before dual specs. I needed a farmer, so I rolled a, I rolled a mage to farm for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I, I generally stuck to. I had a few low level alts, but nothing, nothing really serious. Of course, I had a blood elf, you know. Were you mostly Horde or Alliance or? Uh, so we were Alliance on uh, Stormrage and Horde on Tychondrius. Oh, cool! Yeah. So you if you're in this major established guild, I'm going to assume that you guys are pretty disciplined about your raids and high-level quests. <clears throat> yeah, I mean it was. Um, so it's a, it's a really established guild, but it's also um, it's also very casual in that there's. There's a lot of rules to try to keep things fair as far as rating goes. I, we used, um, gosh, what was the, you know, one of the systems to distribute. Dragon rating. points? Dragon. Yeah, yeah, something like that. What was that called? So, Dragon. I can forget. Yeah. You know, they're all kind of the same but different. So, yeah, and then high-level quests you could get on and just hit up in guild chat, hey, who needs to do this? And, you know, four people to come help you. Not, you know, oh, not that's a problem. awesome. Or on the PvP server, hey, I'm getting ganked by some dude, and you know, four people to come help you there, and so it, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun doing that. Was there anything about World of Warcraft that you found particularly frustrating? Frustrating, um, you know, probably yeah, because <laughs> the fact that I had to I had to roll a level sixty alt so I could play my main. It, it takes a long time to get to level sixty, you know. It does. <laughs> but I, I would literally, um, we raided twice a week, and we were doing. Um, well, MC was on farm status, so we did that kind of for fun and to get new people into the system, right? And so there were two main, there were two main raiding guilds on our server. The other one is incredibly hard to get into, and they were like one of the guilds that. When something new came out, they were beating it like the next day and telling Blizzard about the bugs, right? And we were the guild that beat it a few months later, but you could actually get into. Um, so MC was on farm status. BWL, we were working on uh, Nefarious, I think was the last dude's name. 
but we just didn't have the gear. So we were beginning to farm a or to beginning to raid AQ a little bit to get some of the higher level gear so we could beat Blackwing. And um, what I found particularly frustrating is we raided on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and the rest of the week I needed to be farming money and herbs for pots. No oh, God, yeah. Because that, that's yeah, I mean, because I would go through because there, there were six priests in our guild, and we pretty much all raided every time, right? We weren't required mm-hmm. to or anything, but because I liked it so much, I did every time. So I would get up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, and I would farm or you know farm, farm uh, honor or farm gold or farm herbs for a couple hours. I'd go to work. I'd come home for lunch for an hour and a half, and I'd farm some more. I'd get home after work, and then I might actually play my main character for you know a dungeon or two, something like that. So I was you're like, you're like, do you appreciate what I go through to heal your shit? Yeah, yeah it, it almost felt like that. You know, someone would throw you a pot, and you're like, oh, thanks. You have no idea that saves me like 20 minutes of farming to you right, know. Right. Oh man. Oh. Yeah, I, I found that kind of frustrating. It got to be a little bit of a grind, but. You know, I, I have to be fair about that, too. I mean, that was my choice, right? I didn't have to play the game like that. No, I you could have been an auction house maven or something. Yeah, or or I could have said, hey, I'm only raiding once a week, and therefore right. I have to farm a couple days a week, but that's not just not the way I am. You, oh. you could have, like, run a stats pro, like mod and, like, charged per heal after <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it appears the tank is going to really owe a lot of money to me. <laughs> Big surprise. Plus, you're going to have to get all your armor fixed, and we wipe twice. So you're pretty much fucked, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so oh, man. You were keeping that crazy hours, which was like two different jobs, essentially. Yeah. That was probably when things were starting to get really rough. Yeah, they started to get kind of rough. Um, Man, I... When I moved to the PvP servers, when it started getting really bad now, um, so little background, my wife and I have been married for, let's see, uh, 12 years now, and she is, thanks, and she's never known me to not be a gamer, right? Um, before this, there were six-hour sessions of uh, Diablo 1 with my brother, and then after that, six-hour sessions of custom maps on StarCraft, <laughs> you know? <laughs> We would make these maps that, you know, with unlimited resources and, like, us against six computers, you know, and just – it would take forever, but we loved it, you know. So she'd gotten kind of used to it, but then when I moved it – I moved to WoW, and I was on the PvE server, and I kept it fairly casual, you know, a couple hours here and there, not even every day. When I moved to the PvP server, it's – just I I can't do anything halfway. That's just kind of my personality, right? So – on a PvP server, you, you gotta you gotta be good, and you gotta know uh, you gotta have some decent gear. You're just gonna get ganked all the time. It's a pain right. in the ass. Yeah. Um. So I started playing a lot more, and I was probably playing thirty to forty hours a week, easy. Wow. Oh man. Wow. Yeah, it's hard. That's a yeah. hard one. To... <laughs> so I would I would do things like um I you know I'm a production DBA, so I get calls in the middle of the night um. Not so much with this new job, thankfully, but um, with my old job all the time, right? So I'd get a call, and it would take me five minutes to fix this thing, but I would stay up all night. Well, yeah, you'd be and, totally awake at that point. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I, you know, I could go back to bed, but I would, I would stay up all night and I would tell my wife, oh, I was up working all night. Well, uh, you know, and it, not, not to give you an excuse, but it lends itself well to after you've been called for some problem for production database, you're like in monitoring mode, you know? So you're like, uh-huh. you got that run in for a while and you're playing your game and you just look over your shoulder and go, oh, yeah, it's still, still there, you know? Metrics mm-hmm. look good, blah, blah, blah. So you could almost justify it. Well, Almost, but apparently, but well, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a situation like that, it, it I got to say, I'm glad I had it because there were some long nights, like you said, monitoring or waiting for waiting for a database to, to copy or recover or something. It right, takes forever. Right. No, I mean, and I got to stay awake. Nothing yeah. is fast, and you could probably justify it easier with work than with your wife, I would imagine. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. they're like, well, that guy, he's just a straight shooter. He's up all night working on the database, so of course he's not coming <laughs> into work today. And you're like, <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping and then playing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. I would um, – so for a while before we had kids, um, my wife worked too, and um, I would take days off and not tell her and just stay home all day and game. You know, I, I mean – <laughs> You're like, that's I, not a bad idea. I have never done that myself. Actually, I... Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so how long I'm, did you do it when it was... Things were just really... When you started the PvP thing, how long did you manage to do that? How long did it last? Oh, man. Probably. Let's see. Um, Let's see. Blackwing had just been... Well, Blackwing had been out maybe a couple of months... Um, when I moved to the PvP server, and I stayed at, I stayed on the PvP server doing that kind of schedule until probably six or eight months after. Uh, God, what was the first X pack with the level seventy? Um, Burning Crusade. Yeah, probably a few months after Burning Crusade came out. So, what well, easily, easily a couple of years doing that. Oh, and Burning Crusade had some really good in-game content too. Oh, it did. It did. And of course, we were raiding that. And, well, yeah. and I, I don't know if you've ever played a priest on WoW, but if you, if, yep. if you're a priest and you're any good, when you get on, all you got to do is sign on to find it. And that's it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Yeah, when I played with Noah, I played a priest. And even at a lower level, I still would get that. Mm-hmm. Not can't imagine a maxed out priest with you know everything you could want oh my god well and it got even it got even worse because um shortly after burning crusade came out um actually no i take that back it was right before burning crusade came out came out i decided to switch from the pvp server because there's some guild crap going on back to a pve server and that's when you could transfer your characters right um, so I decided I'm, I'm going to play with the Lurkers for a while. They're a smaller guild. It's just more for fun. I'm trying to be more casual. I'm trying to get this under control. So I changed to Tyrannus. I transferred my priest over. Well, there's not a guild on this server at this time that has beaten Blackwing. And I transfer over, and I'm, I've got full Tier 2 gear. <laughs> and so like- it just got worse for me because now everybody knows who I am. And I get on, and like you said, bing, 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 you know, right. just pick you a dungeon. Like a celebrity, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and it you get this alter ego, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, so I, I did that for, for many years. Um, 
I don't I don't no. know how I don't know why my wife is still with me, but she is. <laughs> so when your uh, when your wife got pregnant with your first kid, did she like require tons of sleep so you kind of got a free pass for a while? Because that's how it worked for me anyway. It was like our when my wife got pregnant, it was like she was like in bed by like seven o'clock every night, so I didn't get in too much trouble. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, there was a lot of that, and then you know if she was sick or if uh, I, I would use any excuse, and then quite frankly, I mean. I would just – I was a terrible husband. I mean I would just play. I would just say, hey, I've got a raid or I've got a group game on Saturday morning, right, because I always had a group game on Saturday morning with my with my four close friends. And that group game would be over. We would get up and start at like 7, and we'd be done by 10, but I would play until 5, 6 o'clock at night. You no, know, and, you know, so I, I just – you know, I wasn't even getting in trouble because I just didn't – I, w- I was so addicted to this game. I just didn't care, you know. I just there was nothing else to me. All I saw was wow. Man, Noah, we we covered some <laughs> stuff like this when we earlier in the podcast. You remember, like, mm-hmm. guys were getting in huge trouble for stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to hear it from someone who was like caught in the throes of it. So what did it? it? Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Noah. Mark. Okay. No, I'm sure I'm sure you'll phrase the question better than me. I was just going to ask, what was the turning point when the Danes just break down? Well, there were kind of two. Um, so uh, I think my wife was about eight months pregnant with our son, and um, she said, "You've got to stop gaming when um, when Caleb is born." Uh, Caleb's my my son, obviously, and um, so I said, "Okay, I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut back." Right. So I couldn't cut back. So I, I, I quit cold turkey and um, I I quit for, man, quite a quite a while, a few a few months, six months. And then so I've got a six six month old son and, you know, my wife is just now getting to where she can start to sleep a little bit again. And then I started gaming again. And um I don't remember how long I gamed again after that. See, and you'll hear me say I don't remember a lot. And um, it's it's actually interesting because the more I look back on this, the more this is very much like any other kind of addiction. You you, you don't remember a lot of stuff, you know. So I played for a few months, and then essentially my wife said, you know, quit or I'm leaving. And um, wow. that's when I said, okay, this is completely out of control i gotta quit so i i quit i destroyed my cds i uninstalled it i actually sold my characters um oh wow yeah i got 300 bucks for my account or something like that so i guess that oh, was that's okay. pretty good yeah yeah not 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 what it's really worth but <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah i mean when you break it down by time i guess i got like you know maybe one one hundredth of a penny per hour or something but, right you know. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And did you have, I mean, speaking candidly, did you feel, at that point, did you feel resentment towards, you know, your your wife or your life situation as the new parent? Or were you, like, more, like, kind of aligned with, like, the the concept of, hey, I do have a problem with this. Uh, You know, this is an addiction. This isn't just about, you know, me being in control of my discretionary time and needing more time for gaming. I mean, how, what was your perspective or did it change? Did it, 
did it, did you go through a bunch of different perspectives um, during this time? Um, uh, well, my immediate perspective was, yeah, resentment, anger, um, mm-hmm. you know, at my wife, at my son, um, because it's kind of like like you said, I felt like this is my discretionary time. This is my escape. You know, right. everybody needs a hobby, right? You need to do right, something other right. than work and sleep. A way to unwind. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I still to this day, I think that's very valid. And for me, it wasn't valid for this to use this game to do it. But um, <clears throat> so that's that's how it started. It started with resentment and that um, I actually went through. I actually um, a friend of mine suggested I go to a 12 step program. So I actually did that. Um, and I learned a lot about myself in that. And I learned that. I had a lot in common with the guys in there who were alcoholics um, mm-hmm. because they used it for the same thing and they were going through the same crap I was. And it was – that's when I realized I actually – I have a problem. I can I can never play another MMO again because, you know, like I can play an iPhone game. I can play a console game. I get bored after an hour. I don't think about it for two weeks. I pick it up again, you know, MMO. Right. I can't do that. So what I learned about myself is I am addicted to anything that numbs, right? So mm-hmm. it could be alcohol. In my case, it's not. I just I drink a little bit, but not really that much. Um, MMOs, definitely. So it took me, man, probably a year, year and a half to realize that I genuinely was addicted to this game. But up until then, it was just, just pure anger, you know, that I had to quit and... Yeah, you're like, why are you doing this to me? And <laughs> what? Yeah, you I know, mean, stuff like that. I, I understood her reasoning, right? And I, I wanted to spend more time with my son, but on the other hand, I was telling myself, well, how valuable is that time going to be if I'm all pissed off because I haven't had any time to unwind from work or whatever? But right, you know, when you when you get home from work and you you play from the minute you walk into the door until midnight, it's not like I'm seeing my son. At all. Right. Well, and that's the yeah. problem with addiction is the whole justification thing is way, way uh, askew from reality. You know, you're like, man, I need to unwind. And, and by unwind, I mean, I need to play this game for 12 hours. Exactly. Whereas like, you know, unwinding could be um, I need to unwind by, you know, reading uh you know, uh, watching, watching like the daily show or something like that for 30 minutes you know, so it's like you know when you're when you, I, I speak I speak only as, uh, as someone who's not addicted to anything. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, um, but you know that that does seem to be the thing is the justification is is the the, the biggest adversary you face is is you know kind of confronting your own bullshit. You know, yeah. and it sounds like you managed to to do that, which, you know, kudos to you because a lot of people never do it. Their entire life, they are never able to do it. Yeah, that's so. that's very true. I, I, I think, you know, to some extent we all have it, um, but you don't see it, you know, when you're in it. You just don't see it. I mean, I've probably got a problem with something now I don't even know about, you know. There's always <laughs> these li- you know, there's always these little things in our life that we can maybe remove that right. would make us a better person or make us more productive or whatever that we, you just don't see them, you know? And right, right. unfortunately this was a really big, totally life controlling thing. You know, I mean, it's all I did when I was at yeah. work, I was reading forums about wow and researching better ways to heal. I mean, it was ridiculous. Right. Right. It's just all consuming all there all the time. 
know, I I know what you mean. Have so you ever faced that, Noah? Oh, sorry. On a, on a personal level, have you ever been addicted to something like that, Noah? I don't. Besides soft rock. (laughs) (laughs) There are things that I really like a lot. As you know, Mark, I really like art. (laughs) And I really like video games. Those are probably my two main vices. But as much as I really care about them, I can just as easily go without them for days and weeks. So I don't think so. I mean, I eat a lot of fast food. That Maybe that's my (laughs) my worst addiction right now. (laughs) It's Del Taco addiction. <laughs> Del Taco. It's, it's funny though because you know, a, a, especially in uh, among gamers, addiction is something that's really overstated by a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I'm a, you know, like me, I'm like, I'm addicted to tower defense, or I was addicted to tower defense Lost Earth. Not really. It was just whenever I had like some free time and nothing else going on, and it was just yeah. me and my iPhone. That's what I would do instead of reading a Kindle book or something like I normally would do. But a lot of people overstate the term addiction. But when you're really caught in the throes of an addiction, it's it's like nothing else you'll experience in your your life. I don't think. I mean, no, that's that's absolutely right. You know, and, you, yeah. and you can you can speak to it probably better than anyone when everything that you had worked for. Um, you know, uh, on a personal level was suddenly kind of on the line due to it, and you had to make a choice. I mean, not everybody faces that um, mm-hmm. with addiction. Yeah. So it's in- interesting how, how that went down. And then it's interesting, too, that you said you couldn't you couldn't compromise and, and um, play a little bit. You had to go cold turkey. And, you know, sell your characters and destroy your media and stuff like that. That's, That's hard. That, That's uh, that was hard. that was brutal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I try. Well, you know, when I came back to it, I said, I'm just going to play casually. I'm not even going to. No, that didn't work. You know, I can't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was level 60 in a month. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Right. Or level yeah. 70. Back then. One, one to 70 in a month is not casual. <laughs> Oh. No, no, no way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I really appreciate your um, you know, honesty and your you know, your candor speaking <clears throat> to us about this. It's obviously, you know, very personal. Yeah, I I, I definitely want to second that. And you have actually a couple other notes that are in our show notes that we wanted to touch on. What what do you think of the term video game addiction yeah um let me uh well let me start by saying I'm, i really do appreciate you guys having me on the the show i'm actually really having a lot of fun with this it's it's pretty neat and uh Our it's pleasure. cool to, it's cool to talk about this kind of stuff with um you know with with gamers because i'm still interested in games i still follow games as you can tell like the fact that i know oh, the yeah. album's even coming out um, I won't play it, but I follow it and I'll watch YouTube videos of it. But um, it's kind of it's it's been a part of my life, you know. And I have a lot of friends from that. So um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I brought up that question because there's a lot of talk, you know, about is video game addiction an actual addiction, you know, or is it just an excuse kind of thing? 
And, you know, I, I'm not a psychologist, but maybe I could play one on TV someday, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, my opinion, having gone through something that, you know, the withdrawal system, the, the withdrawal I went through for like a year and a half after I quit was just like it was textbook withdrawal from any addiction except for the mm-hmm. physical symptoms right um because i did a lot of research on it and uh i think it's a real thing now do i think it can happen to everybody no absolutely not and and that's why i wanted to throw this que- you know throw this question in there because you know some people for example can drink alcohol to excess every night and then give it up for six months, right? Some people drink it to excess one time and they're addicted. You know? Oh, yeah. So I think it's like anything else really in life that if you have the right personality or it's the right time and you happen to be in the right place at the wrong time, you could be become an addict to it. I'm not saying that every gamer is going to be – is an addict because I certainly don't think that. I – I played with people that were not addicts, you know, they, they loved the game, but they would play and drop it for a while and play and drop it for a while. And I never understood how they could do that, you know? So I wanted to talk about it, I guess, as a caution to, you know, if you're, if you find yourself in a place where you would be willing to give up stuff that did once matter to you for a game, it could be a problem. On the other hand, if you're just playing a lot because it's really fun, it's probably not a problem, right? It's not it's not an issue for you. It's just a game. But for some no, of us, it's just, it's not just a game, you know. That's a really good point. I've I have a a, a friend of mine who describes himself as an addictive personality, and um, for him in particular, you know, it it. It could be alcohol, it could be um, drugs, or it could be a video game. As long as he has one of those things going in his life, he's all right. But he can't go without none of them. Mm-hmm. Which is, is, you know, you could almost say he's like the ultimate addict because it almost doesn't matter, you know. But, but you know, there's uh, obviously other, you know, addictions you can have, you know, like, sexual or whatever but i mean it's just it's just it's 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 fascinating to think that um you know each person seems to have a different capacity for um addiction and they have different you know um stopping points and they have you know different thresholds so to speak yeah um you know i would say for myself i um I don't know what it, what it was, but at one point in my life, I decided that, you know, this video game thing was like kind of, it was before the podcast, Noah, <laughs> for, for <laughs> reference, but I was like, you know, I really spent a lot of time playing video games and I think it's really just wasted time and it's really not fruitful and I need to just knock that, that off and, and, and just be a better person or whatever, whatever my weird motivation was. And so I kind of like didn't play any video games and tried to devote myself towards, you know, reading and my career and all this stuff, being a better husband. And it was really unhappy for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wouldn't say I was addicted to gaming, but 
without it, I didn't have that release valve that, you know, helped me to um, kind of unwind or whatever. And I think it's different for everybody, but that that was kind of the uh, upper end of my threshold, at least, you know, for I have to have something that is, um, for whatever reason, you know, game related in my life at any time. It could be it could be Tower Defense Lost Earth. It could be Star Wars, The Old Republic, it could be League of Legends. Um, but I have to have something like that running at all times or I'm just not a happy person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. I, yeah, but but it doesn't doesn't rule your life, you know. That's the right. you know. I do I do want to make one thing very clear. I'm not anti games. I'm not anti video games. I don't think they're a waste of time. You know, I don't think no. they're. I mean, you're not okay. You're not being as productive as you would be if you're reading like a textbook or something. But I don't think that every moment of every every moment we're awake, we have to be productive. Yes. You know, I, I think that would be a little bit silly. So, so I, I'm not a, I'm not anti game. I'm anti game for me <laughs> because I can't handle it. But for everybody else, that's kind of to each his own, you know. So so kind of going off the map as far as our our interview questions go. What what challenges do you think will emerge for you in particular as your children um, get to the age where they want to play games, video games specifically? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, and and kind of a, a funny story about that is my wife and I talked and she said, you know, you better not show our kids games. And that's one of the reasons that we isn't hooked up. Um, <laughs> so I was like, OK, fine, I won't I won't show them games. Well, I come home from work one day and my son is playing some Disney game online and I'm like, what in the he's five. Oh, I, I showed him and I'm like, well, you, you showed him how to. So I thought it was kind of funny, but that is mostly. Funny. It is. The, the interesting thing about my kids is um, I, I'm not sure if they have my same personality, thing, I, and I, I really hope they don't. Uh, well, some, there's some good things about it I hope they have, but these things, the addictive parts, I hope they don't have. But they will play um, like one of those games. Like I, I have Angry Birds on my, um, on my Mac. And my son will play it for 20 minutes, and then he gets bored and he goes outside. So yeah, and plays outside. Yeah, if they can, on himself. exactly if if yeah. they can be playing outside or, or building a fort in the living room, they would do that even if there was a video game available. So I'm really hoping that it's not going to be too much of an issue, and especially the fact that we don't have them available. You know, it, it makes it very difficult for them to get a hold of them now. When they get, you know, when they get to be teenagers and stuff, it it could be a totally different story. Oh yeah. You know, I I yeah. You know, and for myself, I just um, I found other ways to unwind, you know, that um, allow me more free time to actually see my family and be happy. Snuff films and hardcore porn. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually um, if you want to know, I actually I got into triathlon a couple of years ago. And um, awesome. I'm. I'm loving that. It's it's fun. I can do it in um fairly reasonable amount of time and it keeps me in shape. So I just did uh I did my first Ironman last November. So it's like almost exchanging one addiction for another, but the nice thing about that addiction is you can only go for so long and then your body makes you stop, so <laughs> Yeah. <You know? laughs> your body says, Okay, 
16 hours of, of unless you become like an ultra runner like those guys in Boulder or something. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Otherwise, your body says no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's great, man. That's good so, to hear. Yeah. That, that is a good question about the kids. Um, I, I think that uh, um, there's a lot of good things that come out of games, and I like the fact that my son is playing them. Um, there's a lot of good hand-eye coordination. There's a lot of good problem-solving stuff in the games that he's playing. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see him benefit from that. But I would never want to see him get to a place where he wouldn't want to play outside as well. As long as he's yeah. got it in, in balance, I'm okay with him gaming, you know? Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, there's a um, – somebody wrote in to us today with some – they have a blog called thefrugaldad.com, and they have all these – killer infographics their their infographics are so good that they they make me really envious because i would love to be able to do what they do but one of their infographics was on the um, myth that you know game playing is bad for you and it's actually really good for you and it has statistics like you know um surgeons who are gamers um tend to be um have 37 percent less um uh, problems are are 37% faster with the procedures, with 27% less, um, you know, post-op difficulties. They have all these crazy stats, and one of the really crazy ones is children who play Tetris ha develop like, you know, um, more or thicker brain stems or something crazy like that than kids who don't. And you know, there's all this stuff like that. But um, you know, when I think about you know, game playing for my kids, you know, I'm, I'm extremely conservative because I just, I just don't want them to be doing something that could be possibly, you know, detrimental to them. I don't want, I don't want my kids, you know, exposed to stuff in some of the games, you know, like really bad violence or something like that. But there, there do, does appear to be, you know, a lot of things that are good about um, a lot of the educational games that are out. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of tough. You know, it's like I I I don't I be I'm almost like biased against myself because I know that I'm just like so into gaming that I see it as just a positive, 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 positive thing. And and you know, I I don't want to expose anyone to anything that's bad. But when I see my kid, my my boy playing um, Plants vs Zombies at like really high levels on an iPhone and he's just, just in a total, he's in a total zone. You know, you can tell his brain waves have switched over to whatever it is like Delta waves or something like that, you know, and he's totally locked in and, and you're like, wow, that, that that's kind of cool. And then you're kind of like horrified, like, Oh, what did I just expose him to? You know, you, 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 you kind of have this like, um, uh, balance thing in your head where you you just want to make sure you're doing the right thing. So yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. It's tough as a gamer parent. It, it's <laughs> you know what it's it's tough being a parent anyway. I mean, there's so many things like you know. Okay, my kids don't play games, and um, we don't have a TV either. Just well, we have a TV, but we don't have any service on it. So just because we don't watch it, um, just never have. Um, so like I'm, maybe I'm doing those two things right, but I'm probably doing 10 other things wrong. Right. You know, oh. so it's, it just, yeah. you just try, you just try your best, you know? Yeah. It's a crazy responsibility thing. 
it's it's cool to talk to you too because um you know your kids are uh, the same exact ages of my kids so yeah it's like you know same kind of issues so yeah and i was like all right quit talking about your children <laughs> <laughs> well there's one other question that brian put in yeah. here and that was do you think video game makers bear some burden for people playing games too much yeah, I, I I like that question. I am, and that's why I put it there. Obviously, <laughs> I, I, I'm big on taking responsibility for my own actions, right? Um, if I if I you know if I play WoW for 40 hours a week, that's not because Blizzard made me. Um, Blizzard set out to make a product that was good, and they did a really good job of it. Right. Um, I've actually heard that some of the drop rates, they actually hired some people from Vegas or something that worked on the slot machines to help with some of the drop rates. Right. To, oh. to keep people oh. coming back. Well, they put out a good product. Can I really fault them for wanting to go do a good product? I, I can't personally. Um, I have to take responsibility for the fact that I played too much, that I decided to install it, that I decided to go back to it, that I decided to raid for six hours and instead of spending time with my wife, you know, so they make excellent games just like, you know, a lot of other companies do. Um, it, it, I think it, it's, it's silly to blame a video game maker for an addiction, just like it is to blame a cigarette company for addiction. You know, <clears throat> are people addicted to cigarettes? Absolutely. But, you know, they chose to smoke. Right. So, even if, you know, and I guess this is where it gets a little sketchy and where, and, and there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me on this, I'm sure. Um, but even in the gray area where, okay, maybe 20 years from now, we find out that there's something about video games that makes them incredibly addictive, right? Like when cigarettes were first brought to market, they were, you know, advertised as healthy. Nobody knew they were addictive, right? No one knew they were bad for you but you still chose to use them, you know? And then when you find out something's bad for you and you choose not to do anything about it, then then that's where the responsibility falls on us. So, you know, at this point I'd have to say, I don't think that, like, Blizzard has any ill will towards anyone by making good games. I think they're just trying to make good games and provide people with good value for their money, which, quite frankly, they did a fantastic job at. But... Mm-hmm. We have to start taking responsibility for our own actions. Nothing drives me worse and drives me crazy more than someone who will not take responsibility for their own actions. That whole entitlement kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what's good for myself, so you tell me, but I want to be treated like an adult at the same time. Well, which one do you want? Because those two, those two don't work well together. No. <laughs> yeah. Why did you make Mountain Dew taste so good, Pepsi? <laughs> Why? Exactly. Curse. Why do I weigh 300 pounds? Well, because you eat McDonald's 12 times a day. You Why know are I mean? chicken McNuggets so delicious? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Of course they're good. They want you to buy them. Enjoy yeah. them. But don't get mad if, you know, you have some negative results. Does it mean that we don't ever enjoy a nugget or enjoy a good video game? No, you just enjoy them and keep it under control, right? <laughs> That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our interview session <laughs> and also episode 192 of Channel Asset. 
So as we said before, Brian, definitely thank you very much for joining us this evening and staying up with us to record this podcast and sharing your story. It was my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, really good to have you, man. And we, I think, I think we'd love to have you back if, uh, you know, you're available. Yeah, I could do. I could do it again. Really good insights. I had a lot of fun. When you guys have a uh, show you think would be appropriate, just uh, let me know. Right on. Listeners, let us know what you think about this show, and if you have any comments or stuff that you'd like Brian to come back and talk about, send all that in to email. Email. At gentlemessive.com. We <laughs> really appreciate you subscribing to our show and listening to us each week, and we will be back again next week. Best podcast in the world. I play the World of Warcraft for 10 years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.